0: Fiori is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash soccer. That's V-U-O-R-I dot slash soccer.
1: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.
2: Rise and shine, football fans, welcome to Morning Footy. Happy Thursday. Today is Thursday. Yeah. Got it right today. I nailed it. Nailed it. Um, I'm Susanna Collins. That's Nico Cantor. Charlie Davies is back. Alexis Guerreros is here. Ali Trost-Martin in for some headlines. I wish that the cameras were on 20 seconds before we come on air, so y'all could see the chaos that Charlie Davies brings. Mm. He's like running around the <laughs> studio, he's not sitting in his chair. Our poor producer Jen is like, Charlie, I need you to sit down. And he's like, nah, I'm creating content. You're just doing your <laughs> thing.
3: Content, but also you gotta get the vocals ready, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He uh, was- you know, stretch. Me your, me your,
2: me can you give us your your countdown me that me you give me. us when we're coming back out of break?
1: Let's all, everyone lower their mic. Which one? When you're like, back, back in five. All Ooh. right, everyone, back in five. Track red, one, <laughs> two, three, roll red. Oh wait, roll. <laughs>
3: If
2: this is what we deal with on a daily basis. Today's going to be wild, kids. Uh, speaking of wild, should we uh, chat some midweek Premier League action? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had some, some tasty matches yesterday. Uh, check out some of these results from Wednesday. Brighton with a 2-1 win over Brentford. Hey, Bournemouth. over Crystal Palace. Let's go. Uh, Fulham absolutely hammered Nottingham Forest. 5-0 Liverpool get the 2-0 win over Sheffield United. But these are the two big results of the day. Aston Villa 1-0 over Manchester City. And Manchester United get the 2-1 win over Chelsea. All right, let's chat that United-Chelsea match, shall we? We talked about it yesterday. A huge one for for both teams. But for Manchester United, a loss at home against Chelsea felt like it would have just been... Absolutely devastating. But um, Scott McTominay had something to say. <laughs> about yeah, he yeah, had
1: two things
3: to say. This, he did. Remember, this was a player who couldn't get into the team with, yeah. with uh, Ten Hag early on, but he absolutely has brought it since I think his performances with Scotland have transferred really well to him getting his opportunity with United, and he hasn't looked back. I mean, he, he also had a, another opportunity in the first half that didn't go in, but a brace to secure the win. McTominay was was one of the men, he was the man of the match, but I also want to give a shout out to Garnacho because Alejandro Garnacho was bald. And those two players in particular, young, brought their A game, the energy was high, the pace, and then in possession, creating um, tough tackles. Garnacho was was causing Chelsea fits throughout the match. It It was finally a match where you go, wow, Marcus Rashford was benched. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hoyland had a really strong first half. He was, he was, you know, he was one of those protagonists in the attacking third. I, I really liked what I saw from him. He took a step up. Anthony was mm-hmm. not trying too much. Mm-hmm. Obviously he, his end product is still not quite there, but this is probably one of the better matches I've seen from him in terms of yeah, just, still. Just be come on. What, what do you mean still? Come on. Come on. on. He he was for rock bottom. Uh, yeah, but you know how much they paid for him?
4: You know what his output should be? It's Manchester United. If you do a couple of stepovers and you shoot and you try and you're a little bit better,
3: that's 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 Wait, not
2: what are you whispering right
4: now?
3: Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's 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 <laughs> dumbing down Yeah, Anthony. Charlie I, I, I'm. I, I, I've I, been I, critical I, of Anthony, but you can't tell me. You just because of his price tag, he should Charlie. Well, but, but but against Chelsea. Then, but, Charlie, relax. need
1: they have more than just a couple of spinovers Um
3: for where
4: we, I don't know, I grew up watching Manchester United and Chelsea, seeing them in a Champions League final and expecting world class out of them. And the first 45 minutes when that was over, it was exciting. For sure it was exciting. But because the quality was so poor. Yeah. There were misplaced passes all around. The people in blue were passing to the people in red. The people in red were passing to the people in blue. <laughs> the, the, the Fed, there were defensive mistakes. Robert Sanchez' distribution out of the back. There were key moments Oof. that led to, to to goals, excuse or rather to goals to opportunities. And then I was just thinking, there are some players on both of those 11s that must wake up every day and pinch themselves because they're playing for Manchester United and Chelsea. The, the quality is bad. It's entertaining, but 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 the quality is bad. And then second half, Manchester United got better. And if I'm looking at the the center of the pitch for both teams, what offers a little bit of balance for both, I thought. Amrabat in the second half and McTominay consolidated a a, a well-balanced Manchester United that was able to see the game out. And on the other side, when Chelsea has spent crazy amounts of money, crazy amounts of money for two central midfielders in Enzo Fernandes and Moises Caicedo, Chelsea allows themselves to break into this basketball match where there's absolutely no control, where it's this back and forth and they're not allowing neither Enzo Fernandes or Moise Caicedo to really dictate and at least get some grasp and control into the game, which is wild to me because you spend so much money and you, want, you would want those players to, to be the, your metronome,
1: let's, well, let's and they're be, not. Let's be honest. You're not wrong. Look, if you go back a few years ago, Manchester United versus Chelsea are two titans of the game going against each other. And that's not exactly what we saw. But if we're going to give credit, we sat here and we talked about how important it was for Manchester United to come out and win, whether it was ugly, whether it was beautiful. If you simply look at opportunities created, Manchester United had the second highest XG of anyone in the league though, so this year uh, from this match at point just a little bit over four. Um, they're creating the opportunities. They're a transition team. They're not going to be the tiki-taka team. They're not going to be the hold on possession for holding on possession's sake. They are going to be the ones, let, let's, let's attack goal as much as possible. And they did that. If they had a, a better finishing product, this would have been an absolute blowout. Mm.
3: I I, hear what you're I, saying, I don't know, but you but can I'll say throw... the same thing for oh, Chelsea. Uh, uh, I was going to say, yeah. Mudrik had an opportunity. Five massive big chances missed from Chelsea. Absolutely. Mudrik, Misses a, Who oh, 1v1. We're have a whole 1v1 sloppy about pass Madrid. on the counter. They break on the counter. Mm-hmm. He, he finds Sterling, who's wide open. Sloppy pass. It gets p- and mind you, that was from Arambat's Ar- Arambat's mistake. Pass.
4: Absolutely. Um, this, I said second half, Arambat.
3: Yeah, ja- Jackson Nicholas Jackson had at least three quality. Chances. No, there was that one on one. That's that's. And that's it, you, you know, have couple, to put he, that away. Co- and a couple half chances that that wasn't good. So in the first half alone, Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Should have been up just on, on chances, and they just squandered everything.
1: Absolutely true. Um,
3: and, and that was straight transition, because Chelsea, like you said, midfield horrible. It was. I don't horrible. get it. I, I don't get it,
4: especially from such an experienced manager. If, if I was in the day to day and I had the opportunity to to ask in a press conference, it's like I would ask Pochettino, why don't you think Enzo Fernandez and Moisés Caicedo are able to influence Chelsea's game? considering that they were brought in as one of the, the marquee signings in the last two years. Just the price tag itself, it's like, I'm not expecting him to score goals, right? I don't care how many goals, I don't really care how many
3: direct assists he has. Either of them. But they don't influence, they don't gravitate as as much you know, as you would like. Cole Palmer is the one that stands out yeah. in this midfield of, between those two. And Caicedo, when you watch him play, it seems to me he's trying to play outside of his, his limits in terms of trying to dictate and, and do too much. And, mm. and it puts him in a bad position when his job is simple, like it was at Brighton. Be a destroyer. Break up plays and right. get it off your and foot. You're not, a, you're not a player who's going to play beautiful passes to break, break uh, down back lines and, and thread the needle and switch fields. Get it off your foot. Get it to Enzo Fernandez and... and protect the back four.
4: You told me, you played this game. I feel it's more difficult to be that enforcer, to break down play when you're caught in so much transition and you're running towards the towards or behind a ball mm-hmm. rather than in a more organized system. I'm talking about mm-hmm. Moises Caicedo. At Brighton, he had more supporting context around him and he was able to regain. Qu- it, it was more organized. Here where it's not, right, he's not going to be the dictator. It's Enzo Fernandez. at his pairing. But because they get stuck in this back and forth, he's a little bit late to tackles. It also he's feels fouling like more than Brighton, he is recovering.
1: At Brighton, he kind of, there was, there's a, a much more structure. So he knew where players were going to be. The Serby system indicates like, okay, th- if this happens, then you need to go here even if you're off the ball. So it felt like Moises Caicedo knew, oh, okay, I know someone's going to be over there if I look this way with a split second and need him to pass that ball. What I'm seeing from Chelsea is just a bit more bedlam. Just chaos. Yeah, it was a bit more. It was where it's like, I'm asking you to look up and then make a lot of decisions versus I know someone's in this general area. Let me just look and know where to pass it. That, did, that doesn't exist right now. At least it didn't in this match for Chelsea, which brings up a question. What is exactly Pochettino trying to in, input on this team? What is, the, what is the style of system that he wants? Because well, I don't know that I've seen the old Pochettino style from Tottenham.
3: It, it just looked like they're just playing counterattack. That's it. And Moises Caicedo sitting on top of his 18, trying to play sideways passes, lateral passes, trying to take too many touches. And for me, you look at this Chelsea side, and it, it's chaotic because they're just playing counterattack in transition. And there is no balance and patience of, of being able to switch it up.
2: It feels like a few weeks ago we were talking about Chelsea. They had put together a few decent results and performances and that, you know, maybe Potch was figuring it out at at this point with the guys that he has. Was this performance against Manchester United, was this a step back for them? Is this still them trying to like feel each other out? Have they had enough time to, to kind of gel and create that cohesion that you, that you need? Is, is that what's happening here with Chelsea, do you think?
3: It, to me, it's a seesaw. Yeah. It, it's That's a great it, way to put it. it one, one match, it looks good. The Next match, it looks like they've taken two steps back. In one match, their transition is phenomenal. another match, they, can't, they, they try and keep possession, and they go away from the transition in, in counterattack. There's not a, a, a style yet. They, ha- they, haven't ha- have, they haven't found their identity. And I think he, Pochettino's trying to work Mudrick in. Mudric just mm. isn't taking any opportunities. He, d- he just isn't, isn't sharp. Mm.
1: At some point... And I know you said that's a conversation for another time, and I agree with you because there is a long conversation to be had about Mudrik. But at some point, you have to get over that, like, oh, it takes. there's a learning curve to the Premier League. At some point, what you're showing me on the pitch is maybe who you are, and we have to start to have that conversation is, is this who Mudrik is? I'm, I don't know. Or is I was, he not being unlocked?
4: Going back to the conversation about American bias, and I see the 10 on his back, I wonder if he's under—I I, I, I honestly don't know from the Chelsea context from the fans— I don't know if they're questioning him as much as Pulisic at times was questioned at, at Chelsea. Same number, similar position, mm. but Mudrik's output is not good for the amount of money that you paid for Mujic. So how hot? Remember that market where after his glorious group stage, which he's still living off of, Arsenal and Chelsea. Craig, Craig, he said that he wanted to go to Arsenal. He was an Arsenal fan. Um, It just, it it really, he has not lived up to the hype that Mm. world football gave him after that group stage in Champions League with Shakhtar Donetsk.
2: Yeah. Um, At any rate, it was a a big three points for Manchester United. We're going to chat more on some of yesterday's Premier League results later on in the show. But right now, we're going to take a quick timeout. Ali Trost Martin's going to be back with some headlines on the other side. Stay with us. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Oh, a few weeks ago, we showed you some clips of the mascot Olympics that happened. So apparently the final happened on November 19th. Look at all these events, there were relay races. They had to throw pickles at one point.
3: Oh yeah, I love mean, the pickle throw.
2: the talent pool of these mascots is just beyond. Oh, here we go, there's Yeah, a there it throw. is. Yeah! So, do you guys wanna know who won? Yes. Valencia! The-
1: Oh the wow! Ma- from
2: Valencia, Amund is the mascot champion. No one's as excited about this. We should go. <laughs> Amund, Amund.
1: You know what? You know they said in Europe they say that they don't want the uh, MLS All Star Game. They don't want an All Star Game, and they don't want a Skills Challenge. If they would have just called this a Skills Challenge instead of Olympics, it's exactly what we have, minus <laughs> you know the get-ups.
2: Our our morning footy <laughs> mascot, Allie, is waiting over there.
5: The Kansas City have a mascot? They do. It's a dog. Named it's the, blue. The, see, the, right. it's okay. not okay oh, that we yeah. don't yeah. know Blue's Blue's blue. mascots. Nah, not quite, but close. close. <laughs> the dog's actually like gray. Do you know what it's so a, a blue sporting jersey. The,
2: at at Sporting Kansas City matches, sometimes during um, halftime, they have <gasps> the the
0: entertainment,
2: and it's the dogs catching like frisbees. Oh, <gasps> and the hands crowd down goes. best.
5: Matches nice. of the year. Like absolutely just feral for hey, these. You and Suze are dressed the same We are. I saw her come out in a black turtleneck and I said, hey. same. You, you both said, look like the mistresses Thursday, who show up to you a funeral. Said back. <laughs> I was good. I was wondering where you were going to go today. Great minds. Great minds, girl. Yes. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, let's get into the headlines, shall we? The draw for the 2024 Copa America takes place tonight at 730 Eastern in Miami. The 48th edition of the tournament will take place here in the U.S. and will be held across 14 venues from June 20th to July 14th. Argentina, Mexico, USA and Brazil are all in pot one and will learn who they will be facing in the group stages come next summer. In Premier League news, Liverpool announced that centre-back Joel Matip has suffered an ACL injury in their match last Sunday against Fulham. Matip joins an injury list to a Liverpool backline already consisting of Andrew Robertson and Allison. Matip has been at Liverpool for eight seasons, winning a Premier League, FA Cup and Champions League title with the club. But good news for Man City, because Kevin De Bruyne has been included in City's 23-man squad for the FIFA Club World Cup that starts this month. The 32-year-old Belgian playmaker has been out with a hamstring injury that he suffered in City's opening EPL match away at Burnley. The team is scheduled to play on December 19th in the semifinal against the winner of the match between Club León of Mexico and Aurora Reds of Japan. And the former club of Pele and Neymar, Santos, were relegated for the first time in their 111-year club history from Brazil's top flight league following a 2-1 home loss against Fortaleza on the last day of the season. The former Copa Libertadores champions lost their last three league matches and were just one point away from safety. The match ended as soon as Santos fans tried to invade the pitch, forcing players to run to the locker rooms. Police and supporters later clashed outside and several cars and buses were set on fire in the beachfront city outside Sao Paulo. And in MLS news, MLS announced sanctions against LAFC Wednesday night following serious misconduct by the LAFC fan supporter group 3252 for reportedly setting off illegal flares prior to the MLS Cup playoff match against Houston last Saturday. The club was fined $100,000 and in addition to having its supporter privileges suspended for next season, the supporters group will have its privileges restricted for this Saturday's MLS Cup Final against the Columbus Crew in Ohio. Alexis, you were at the match. We're not really quite sure where you're sitting. You're, you kind of look Was like you, you may have been there. Was it uh, you?
3: No, I'm oh, I see him right there. Uh, I see him. There he is. Yeah, I'm
5: the one there with the purple flair. and yeah, the grimace <laughs> mask. Uh, OK, but, but for real, how do you feel about flares at, at home venues? Should this be allowed, or what do you think?
1: I can't think of anything dumber than to punish fans for having a good time in a way that doesn't harm anyone else. Uh, Once again, I can guarantee you without a shadow of a doubt, that the image of those flares and those TFOs will be used at like 60% opacity as the background of some marketing image for MLS in the future, whether it's in a deck where it's shared with partners or it's in a deck that's shared with trying to inspire more people to buy season tickets. It's ridiculous. It creates a better atmosphere. It was more fun. Your show got delayed for three minutes. Well, it's also the same thing that happens uh, when you tell people the game's gonna start at eight and then we have to listen to 60 minutes of pre-production or a show before it and not the first kick. If, if you don't want fans to have a good time, say it. Punishing a supporters group for going the extra, putting in an extra effort to create a better atmosphere and to make it more fun and more exciting is absolutely ridiculous in my mind. You could have gone the direction of saying, okay, let's look at a way or let's investigate a way to make it safer to have flares or whatever the reason it may be. But no, you're going to sit here and punish. A supporters group that has poured their heart and soul into Tifos. It's supporting their club, spending their hard-earned dollars to go every week to go to a stadium or to follow this team, to travel with the team. And now you're going to punish them on the way. in the MLS Cup is absolutely—it's ridiculous. I was going to say something much worse, but I think it's ridiculous.
4: What do you cook over there, bro?
1: Bro, the whole squad, the whole front office. I mean, to me, it's just absolutely embarrassing. And you know what? We want. Oh, we're going to be the best league by 2022. All these things. We want all these accolades, and you're going to sit here and try to find a way to like push down the the fan the fan excitement and and push down you know the showing of having a good time and what what's the word, expression to ways to express yourself? It's ridiculous.
3: I need a fan because I'm hot. You you've been cooking, bro. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous.
4: Ooh. It's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. the reasoning behind like no flares at?
1: MLS? You know why? Because they're not MLS branded flares that were purchased at the stadium <laughs> concessions. <laughs> That's oh no. Exactly. Correct, I, I would no. assume so it's, it's a, a safety hazard. A safety it's a fire hazard, hazard maybe. Yeah. It's a oh, flammable. It's flammable. Right. Yeah. So you can't light it, it, it in the U.S. Right. I feel like we're putting.
4: American restrictions on a sport that we, because there's flares all over Latin America where the rules apply at a different level and in Europe sure. and stuff like sure. that. put sure. rules like sure. we, we, don't see, we don't see flares in the Prem as much, do we? For example, I, I feel like it's more docile. I, 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 I
1: think, I think there League is. Premier League has their own way of supporting. It's more sarcastic chants. There's no, not that right. much Right.
4: There is, there is, a, there is a, a safety issue, right? Sure, But it's like, this is, this is clearly the fans trying to express their identity. This is MLS having its own personality and stuff like that. And it's difficult to be restrictive of, of, of these things. Like, the league obviously wants to control and, and doesn't want their image to be tarnished and, and blah, blah, blah. Because something, God forbid, happens where you have somebody getting hurt because of a flare. But, well, it's, the, you know, but it's, it's not it's, even
1: 30, just 3252. The Columbus Crew fans are being investigated because they were clapping too loud that could hurt your ear. everybody relax <laughs> but it's it's you know everybody I, I, relax
4: that's the line that they're walking on here because th- that was that was awesome
2: it is and this is the problem because mls they're they are nothing without their supporters
1: right literally no,
2: they they literally it's just M- the mls's
1: back tournament <laughs> it's just nico standing there drinking mate no, on the sideline with don garber in a lawn chair you, that's all it is
2: what what the thirty two fifty two have done too in their their short existence in mls has established themselves as one of the elite and most exciting supporter groups that that we have in in major league soccer and people watch them as like a kind of a the beacon, you know, like oh, this is what we want to be. Like it looked, the it example. is so powerful. The example, exactly. Bro, they went like, to
1: Dortmund and found and had yeah. meetings with Dortmund on how to do safe standing the right way. Brought that information back to the LAFC yeah. front office, and they found a way to get safe standing in their own stadium. This is a group, and I'm not just saying it's just 3252 MLS fans across this entire country have worked so hard to build up the sport, you, and now they're going to be punished.
2: And like, like to Alexis's point, when you when you look at the way that MLS is marketed in this country too it's not so much like when there's a chicharito or a, a big name and star yes like it is going to be their face but when you look at the images that they are putting out of mls it's fans. the stuff it's the fans, yeah. it's fans. The supporters groups it's the people going nuts in the stands and if you're watching the broadcast now too there is so much emphasis on capturing the atmospheres mm-hmm. of these, of they, these sell stadiums. They, they sell tickets they put microphones
1: in front of the fans exactly. so that the audience can hear the chants. so there,
2: there there's a real disconnect between these Kind of sanctions and then what they're also asking for from the supporters. And so I think that there needs to be a, a sort of come together moment and figuring out a way because the self expression thing is important and you do not want to strip that away. You want from all Major League Soccer.
3: MLS executives, MLS players want every atmosphere like what the 3252 put on every single week. For that. They would go so for that. If you look at fans who have elevated the game, Those are supporters that have elevated the game, that have brought attention to fan culture. Mm -hmm. Atlanta United has done it. Seattle has done it. Mm -hmm. Portland has done it. So when you're looking at these fan groups, and DC and I were the original ones with the brava jumping all crazy.
1: The whole stadium flexing.
3: These these are the moments that you want to elevate and promote and not necessarily penalize. So, yeah, yeah, like you said, Susanna and, and Alexis, they have to figure out a way to work better with with the
2: fans. 100%. All right, Uh, we are going to take another break. We are going to chat more about some of yesterday's Premier League results when we return. Stay with us, everyone. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Here's another look at Wednesday's results in the Premier League. We have that 2-1 win for Brighton over Brentford. 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 Brentfield. (laughs) Brentfield. Brentfield. Brentfield Brentfield.
3: Brentfield. Brentfield sounds good. Sounds Um, like a coach. Wow, Susanna.
2: Ah, Liverpool. Hey, Liverpool. 2-0 over Sheffield United. Uh, But let's chat about Aston Villa getting the 1-0 win over Manchester City. Let's chat about this game. Let's do it. Um, This is wild because Aston Villa now sit. Ahead of Manchester City in the standings after this one-nil win, it was crazy. Manchester was, City were two shots. Yeah, but two shots.
3: We have to talk about Unai Emery now because we have to give the man his flowers. Wait, can I? This just, was a tactical real quick, real masterclass. Though,
2: they, they couldn't beat Bournemouth though, and that would—that was our our bet that we would have hit on got last a week. So I'm still a little salty. Um, they got
3: a result. I'm
2: happy for them, but I'm a, still, a, I'm, I'm it, carrying some it, resentment. It, it, it was a
3: tough away fixture and Bournemouth is, is starting to come alive. okay. Because of us. Um, <laughs> yeah, but all Una, you had to do is bet, it, <laughs> that's, that's it. Though. But Unai Emery, the way he set up against City, he did not allow them to play in the,
1: their attacking third. Say it, you said tactical masterclass. And it was you are a 100% tactical right. masterclass. It was brilliant. There was
3: no space for
1: City to play in the attacking
3: third. It was incredible. Holland was invisible and, and typically, Holland can be invisible and then he'll pop up and mm-hmm. score. But he was not, he had one, one opportunity that was a double save from Emmy Martinez. Best goalkeeper in the world. Stop. Other than that, mm. Aston mm. Villa, were absolutely sensational defending
1: attacking creating chances playing through uh, um, pressure instead of around it douglas going Louise. through breaking lines mcgain bailey not letting the ball go. I mean, this was everyone played. Leon Bailey played like was, it was a FIFA video I, game. I was
3: like, wait, this is the same Jamaican international. Leon Bailey was incredible. Oh, look, look at, look stri- at that <laughs> cutback! is lethal. Now, he gets lucky with this deflection, but you can already see Ederson was cheating. He could have still pro- possibly been beat had that not been deflected. But either way, Leon Bailey deserved that. He had, he had another uh, uh, couple of opportunities before that. They just absolutely played City off the park. I have not seen a team play City like that. Of course, City didn't have that, that intensity that we've seen them play with, and it was almost like they, they took a break mm-hmm. in this match, but I had not seen City played off the park
1: like I did in this game. Uh, Pep Guardiola, a Pep Guardiola team was outshot by 20 shots. It's the first time ever in Pep's coaching history. That he has been outshot that much. Twenty-two, well,
2: to, tw- 22 to, two. Two. to two. Mind you,
3: this is coming off Pep with his in his press conference saying they're going to win the Premier
4: League. Well,
2: Final. and they've they've now they're winless in their last four, four. matches. Nico three um,
4: draws and a loss. So I I didn't watch this game. The game that I was watching was United Chelsea. You can't watch two games at once. So I don't know. I I can't get You've into the details. No, impossible. Um
1: I I watched this match and I enjoyed. No question for you guys. Where was that you guys did. pushed me at the stadium? I hope he was one.
4: Rodri's been out for a while and Manchester City without Rodri hasn't been able to pick up results. Yeah. How, like it feels at this point he is a bigger loss. His absence is a bigger detriment to City success than a Kevin De Bruyne yes.
3: this season. Yes. It, it, it it's true. They had John Stones and uh and Lewis both playing in front of the back four. And you know how they can uh, invert the, the the back four and play with one, maybe a little bit higher, but John Stones was supposed to be that player wasn't it because what Rodri does for this city side is he gives them balance so that everyone can move around and he is the one cog in the wheel that does not move. He gets up and down but he's the facilitator. He sees everything. He's usually the first to win in counter press and spray the ball. He's phenomenal with his distribution. I think he's an excellent
1: tackler, good in the air and when he's not there you can see Everything Would he falls. have been can a difference
2: I, maker yesterday with the way Villa was I'll, set can
1: up? Can I respond to that if you don't mind? Because I want to piggyback on what both of you said. John Stones was relatively ineffective when sliding forward, and what was missing was Rod Rodri. The reason why I asked you if I could answer is because uh, Aston Villa won possession in the final third thirteen times against Manchester City. That's the most ever by an opponent by an opposition wait, wait, team. Wait, wait, said again. They won possession in the opposition half thirteen it was times. Really poor That's the most basketball. against an opposition teams that the Citizens uh, in a Premier League game under Pep Guardiola. So basically, they couldn't do what, exactly what Rodri does for them. That's why I think he would have been so influential, would have changed the, the result of this match. Um, in particular, because he's, he's the one who facilitates and then springs that attack forward. Who, if in a, in, a, in a perfect world, KDB is the one who gets that ball and then sort of creates an, opp- an opportunity. They could
3: not build out of the back. No, really. They could, they they could, could not. Thing. Villa had six, Villa had six corners. You know how many corners that he had? Zero. <laughs> When is the last time wow. you've seen Man City with zero corners, only two shots, and they were completely outplayed? Aston Villa was, was pressing them. That's how they couldn't build out of the back. They were coughing it up left and right. I was, was st- when I say, impressive. I've never seen City dominated like this, I'm telling you, it was, you would have been like, is, is Villa Real Madrid? Like, that's how they were playing. Douglas Luiz looked like, I, I know Arteta has been rumored to being a, being after him, after his signature. He was phenomenal. Uh, Konza had a couple of plays where you're like, oh, you know, he could have let City sneak back in. But, I mean, Martinez was massive when he needed to be. Double save. Holland should have scored. He had two opportunities. Other than that, Ghost. There were there were no attacking. Is there cause for
2: concern with City right now because they are susceptible and they have been in the past for these you know these little stretches where results tend to not go their way. and Maybe they fall out of form a little bit. Is is this spell setting off any alarm bells for you, Charlie, at all? Uh,
3: no. No. Uh, they're getting KDB back. Yeah. Right. That's that. Rodri's been out. So when Rodri's in on the pitch, KDB comes back into the team. You're going to see them hit a new gear. Mm.
4: Last year, they had a slump. Yeah. Towards,
3: I feel like it was more towards the the beginning. No, no, it was the first half of the season. It was like the middle. I want to say the end of the middle.
4: Nonetheless, they had a slump and they regained their footing. Mm -hmm. They have the experience and they've shown it time again. Again, just like if we've been watching the show. I say it every time. And it's it's so imperative to City's success and to Pep Guardiola's team success. I mean, how many Premier Leagues have they won? Four out of the last five or something like that?
3: Well, they're, they going, hit, they're going for the first four in a row.
4: They shift, they shift into sixth gear when, when no one has a sixth gear in March, April. You know, remember the old cars that only had five gears? They, they're like one of the new, new cars. Boom. And they hit Charlie it. Charlie doesn't
2: more. drive anymore because yeah. he just sets his Tesla on automatic. Ah, okay. So you know how to drive stick, Charlie? <laughs> no. No? I don't know how to drive stick? No.
1: Think? I didn't get my license until I was 28 years old. I didn't get mine until I was 26. I know how to drive stick.
2: That's very common for yeah, New Yorkers, Yeah, but you got yours too. in
1: 1998.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, all right, let's transition over to today's matches in the Premier League. Here's a look at what we've got on tap. Everton taking on Newcastle at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. And then we've got Tottenham hosting West Ham at 3.15 on USA. All right, let's chat a little Tottenham-West Ham. Tottenham winless in their, in their last four. How are we expecting them to, to come out today against a West Ham team who is sneaky good. They're unbeaten in their last five matches.
3: Aggressive, because that's yeah. how Anj Pasakoglu plays. It's the only way. High press, high, aggressive, full throttle. He'll win 5-4 if he needs to. And, and that's you, you, should, you could expect goals in this game. Um, that's how I would expect. So if I about.
2: was betting and I said, and I put money on both teams to score, you're
3: fairly confident. Mm, in it. I would go... Just to be
4: a little bit more sure, go for the over. It probably won't pay as much. I over two and a
2: half. What do we think? Oh yeah.
4: Oh, if you want to be oh, risky, sure. yeah. Over three and a half. <laughs> if you want to be risky.
2: Should I do it in the commercial? Do point? we
4: see a world where West Ham
1: gets shut out? No, because they give up opportunities. Isn't Romero back this game? I think he is. I think Guti
4: Romero's back this game.
1: He is. No, they give up. They give up a lot of opportunities. Ibisuma is taught go through the pressure. You're going to make mistakes. He doesn't care. Anshpasta Koklu doesn't care. He says do it again next time. We're going to score more than them anyway.
2: Who Who are you more confident is going to finish top four this year? Villa or Tottenham?
1: Villa. Because they're not Tottenham. Villa or Spurs?
4: Uh, with James, they need James Madison back healthy. I'm not sure. Good question. I like I'll Villa. Go Villa. Yeah.
2: I, everyone's whispering. Nico's whispering no, Nico, today. Nico's in the whispers. Whispers. Let me give he's you one He's Whispering. He's building up. Because I, the next time we're wrong, talking about Brazil. Got he's, the, been, he's been preserving. Yeah. You got the wrong mate. The wrong yeah. mate today.
1: <laughs> Nico, have you heard? Some cars come with seven gears. Gonna do they? <laughs> we're,
2: uh-huh. we're gonna take a break. Uh-huh. We're gonna take a break. Yes, All right. But guys. we're gonna we're gonna chat the final match day <gasps> in Brazil when we come back, and Nico's really gonna bring it. Yeah, we're, we're
4: gonna.
3: Palmeiras! <laughs> Look at Endrick, he got them sick glasses on. <laughs> if you want to win your
4: fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. The final preparations here
1: for it. this clash that can give the title of the most important competition of the continent.
4: One-on-one against Fabio Luisito Suarez Get rid of him!
3: Bahia trying to avoid relegation. Bahia is going to win the game here. They are just waiting for the final whistle at Villa Belmiro Stadium to confirm that they are going to stay in the Serie A. After
0: 111
4: years, Santos and Mets their very first relegation. Andrick Andrik it for the opener! The one and only, Andrik!
0: And the celebration of the champions for the 12th time. The fourth in the last eight years. almeida champions of the Cup.
2: On the final match day in Brazil, here's a look at yesterday's results when it's all said and done. It was Palmeiras sitting on top of the table after a 1-1 draw with Cruzeiro. But Santos, Mm. oh. At home. They lose at home to Fortaleza 2-1 and uh, they are relegated for the first time in 111 years. Are in 111 years? Is that correct? Mm. Is that the stat? Oh my goodness! Um, all right. So before we talk about them, let's chat, uh, Palmeiras. Who it, it was all sort of, we it was kind of a given that they were going to, to win on the final match. On day, On the final yeah. match day, correct. So for them, a, a historically uh, successful team. We had Imbizo on the other day, kind of speaking about uh, this club and and their history. What what does this Title win mean for them, and sort of like from a historical perspective, like how big is this? Because they were, I mean, Botafogo were on top for most of it, and Palmeiras kind of snuck up at the end.
4: Yeah, and listen, it's uh, they're a very well worked team with an incredible manager. I said yesterday the best manager in South America for mm-hmm. the last couple of years proved it this season the way that they were able to, the way that they were able to stay persistent throughout the entire year was was incredible right behind Botafogo winning 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 important games and then the, the turning point really for them where they saw the light was when they beat Botafogo in that game that went that 4-3 crazy game that John Texer has the rant. mind you Botafogo had an opportunity to make it 4-1 off a penalty kick and they, and they missed and Botafogo finishes the season with an 11-game winless streak, which is absolutely wild. They, they led double digits for at one point in the season, 30 weeks on top. And I just, before we continue the conversation, I just want to throw out there, I see it from an Argentine perspective where the first, the top flight is such a freaking mess. Mm-hmm. It's so horribly organized. You don't know what the format is, who's playing where, what. The Brasileidão... 20 teams, everybody plays each other. Absolute madness. You get awesome match days. It's so competitive. Relegation is exciting. The, the, the battle for Copa Libertadores and Copa Sudamericana on the table is exciting. There's quality all around. And I envy the Brasileirão because it's so fun to watch. And this season on, on Paramount what, Plus. What do
3: Fogo and Lyon have in common? The
4: owner?
2: Mm. Mm. That oh, man.
1: Interesting. Oh, well, rain. Interesting. Wow.
2: So what for, for Botafogo in the offseason, like, what will the fallout be from this sort of, what did you, you call it, the bottle, the bottle job that they
4: One of did. the biggest bottle jobs yeah. in football history. I, the, I don't know how happy they are with the manager. They need stability mm. right now. And they've got uh, the Carioca, the, the, the state cup at the beginning of the year. So I, I wonder after the, the break, how they'll be able to reset They have quality. I mean, for, for some
1: reason, they were top of the table for 30-something for weeks. What about Santos? Crazy. Getting relegated for the first time in their history. Those scenes
2: were crazy. Were people actually setting fire to cars? Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's gone from bad to worse. The team just sent uh, everyone an email that they're getting rid of breakfast on Sunday. <laughs> Inside joke, y'all. It's
2: really. Um, It's a real shame, bro. But look at that. I mean, you see the heartbreak on these supporters' faces. It's just nuts. But this is nuts. 111 years this club has been in existence. This is the first time they're relegated. I mean, there have been big names. That have played for Santos.
4: Pele. Pele brought them to the height Demar. of Demar. football. They, what are the biggest names of all time? They've won Copa Libertadores.
3: They they were champions.
4: Yes, but can you, yeah, so can you kind
2: of equate this? Like, what? How big is this? Like, put it in terms of like a Premier League team. Okay. This would be like Manchester who United. Getting, mind getting you, Arsenal
3: have never been
4: relegated. Look, look at the opposite ends of the spectrum within the Brazilian. Mm-hmm. Palmeiras and Santos were playing a Copa Libertadores final a couple years ago. And wow. Palmeiras is winning the Brasileirao, and they're able to, to stay atop their game. And Santos... You know what? It would be like Ajax getting relegated. It would be like...
1: It would be like Ajax getting relegated. Perennial it's, it's, winners. It's a
4: big team. It's a huge team.
1: Legends have come from there. I, I would...
4: It, it's in the... I was gonna say Manchester United, but it's it, it's up there. It's mm-hmm. a
2: legendary club. So for them though, they're now relegated. What happens next? Like, is there like when a team gets relegated, does it get worse before it gets better? Um, I
4: think for a team like Santos, will have the quality in their squad, a, and it'll probably make like experience is a great uh, in Brazilian Alaska football. It, it, it happens. A couple teams recently have gone up and down. And mentioned mm-hmm. yesterday Vasco da Gama, who got saved from relegation yeah. yesterday. Um, You're not uh, going to bring up, up Riber? Cruzeiro. Um, for example, I think for River it was too easy to get back into the first division. Look, they brought somebody like Trezeguet, David Trezeguet, who's World Cup finalist, one of the great French players of that generation. They came back up to first division very easily. I foresee That Santos, administratively, they take care of business the way that they're supposed to. When they're in second division for a great team like that, hopefully they bounce back quickly. Wow,
2: wild times, wild times. Speaking of wild, oh my goodness. Um, We're gonna take a break, but when we come back, we thought it would be a really good idea and really fun to do our own Copa America draw because that is happening tonight. So we're gonna do the morning footy version, and I guarantee you it's going to be unhinged. That's coming up. Stay with us, everyone.